This reading is presented with permission from Scholastic. Hi boys and girls, Miss Stripe here. We've come to the end, the last three chapters of the Pet War. Will Otto get his dog? Will Lexi get her cat? We'll have to wait and find out. I know I've enjoyed this book. I hope you have too. I can't wait to see how it all ends. Chapter 27, Thursday, March 29th, Money Saved, $469.32. At breakfast, Mom announced that there would be a meeting on Saturday, a pet meeting. That's when we would let her know if we had saved enough money. That's when we would discover what sort of house we would be living in. Would we have a noisy, lousy, catnip-infested, stuck-up, stinking cat house, or a friendly, outgoing, best friend boasting dog one. Are you guys getting close to earning enough money? Mom asked. The month is almost over. Very close, I said with my mouth full of oatmeal. Exceptionally close, said Lexi, nearly coughing up a cornflake. Really exceptionally brilliantly close, I shouted in a garbled croak. Some oatmeal dribbled down my lip. Lexi didn't even try to top me. But this time I meant it. I had counted my money when I woke up. I made it to $500 in one day to spare unless something went horribly wrong. And what could possibly go horribly wrong, I thought. After all, karma was on my side. We'll see on Saturday, said Mom. I tried to read Lexi's face. Was she confident, nervous, scared? I couldn't tell. Lexi's expression didn't change. She might have smirked. I wasn't sure. If she did smirk, it was a very, very small one. Otto, yelled Mom, your shoes don't belong in the kitchen. I walked Barker again. It was part of a subscription, which means I had already been paid for walking him. It sort of felt like walking a dog for free, but a subscription is a commitment. It's a responsibility and I was nothing if not responsible. Besides, I really liked walking Barker. Every time he looked up at me, his tongue wagging and his eyes filled with joy, I wanted to melt right into the pavement. I would have walked him for free, but walking him for money was even better. I pretended Barker was my dog, ambling along the sidewalk. My dog, barking at strangers. My dog, sniffing invisible creatures and standing at attention when threatened by a flower. My dog would be the sort of dog that wouldn't run away, even if I dropped the leash because it loved me so much. My dog wouldn't shed. It would growl at crooks and sisters. My dog would be smart and do tricks. Most of all, my dog would love me more than anything in the entire world. Couldn't imagine anything better. It would have made this month, the grades, the soccer, the guilt, all worth it. Hey, wanna play soccer? It was Eric and Kyle from the soccer team approaching and waving from down the block. 
They kicked the soccer ball back and forth between them. We're heading to the park, said Eric. I shouldn't, I said, glancing at Barker. Oh, come on, said Eric. We'll play for 10 minutes, 20 minutes tops. Well, I will meet you there. And they ran ahead. It was tempting. It was. I could tie Barker to a branch while I played. This time I'd tie the lease exceptionally well. Barker wouldn't mind. I needed the practice. I imagined Coach Drago applauding as they kicked the perfect goal. That's the way, he screamed. Otto's back. It was nothing, I'd answer, blushing. I just finally had some time to practice. Playing soccer wouldn't be goofing off. It would be the responsible thing to do. I wasn't just practicing for myself. I was practicing for the team. I couldn't let them down. I didn't pay attention to where we were walking. I was too busy kicking an imaginary soccer ball through the net and dreaming of Coach Drago's excited clapping. That's why I didn't notice the broken bottle on the sidewalk. I should have been more alert. I should have been looking out for Barker, who was distracted by a biker and didn't see it either. His shrill bark snapped me out of my daydream. Immediately, I knew something was wrong. Barker stood on three legs, whimpering. Blood dripped from the pad of his lifted paw. Shattered glass covered the sidewalk. Who would leave a broken bottle like that? Barker looked at me with those large eyes of his. They weren't smiling eyes. They were helpless, desperate ones. There's nothing you can do when a dog looks at you like that other than wish that you were the one bleeding from stepping on glass. I would have traded place with, places with him in a nanosecond. I knelt down to look at Barker's paw. There was glass a glass shard sticking out, and I started breathing hard. My heart pounded. A couple of weeks ago, I would have panicked. Dogs can feel your nervousness. I had to be calm, but not for me. Barker would be calm if I was calm. I took a deep breath. I slowed my heart. It's okay, boy. I held his paw in one hand and rubbed his neck with the other. We'll get help. I slowly pulled the piece of glass out. Barker whined. I knew of a small vet clinic at the edge of downtown, just a few blocks away. I couldn't expect Barker to walk, though. and He was too big to carry all that way. Stay here, boy, I said to Barker. I dropped his leash, which felt strange, but he wasn't going anywhere, not with that foot. Help, I yelled, flailing my arms to catch the attention of a small and sporty green convertible driving past. The car screeched to a stop. The door opened. The driver stepped out. Thank you, mister, I said before I even noticed who it was. The man wore an apron with blood spattered on it. He was tall and frowning. It was Mr. Schnod. Oh, it's you, he grumbled. I ignored his groan. The dog, he's been hurt. Please, Mr. Schnod. Can you drive us to the vet? It's only a few blocks away. He paused. He looked at me, and then at Barker, and then at his car. I expected him to drive away. He didn't look very happy to see me, but then he nodded. Okay, let's go. As it turned out, Mr. Schnod wasn't so bad. He helped me to carry Barker to the car and put him on the passenger seat. I climbed into the very tiny back. I could only fit on the seat by sitting sideways. We should call your mother, Mr. Schnod said, taking out his cell phone. No, she's out of town, I blurted out. I didn't want Mom to hear about this. Or Lexi. She would just say I was being irresponsible, and that's why the dog got hurt. No, 
I needed to prove I wasn't mostly responsible, but that I was really responsible. Well, who can I call? No one. I'm fine, really. Just hurry. When we pulled up to the animal clinic, Mr. Schnod helped me carry Barker into the building. There were four or five chairs in the waiting room, but they were people chairs, which was kind of crummy for the animals. They were the ones who were sick, after all. There was a bulletin board with pictures of dogs that owners must have sent in. I doubt the dogs dropped them off. I recognized a couple of my dog party debacle. The place smelled like cleaner. For some reason, I thought it would smell like animals. Thanks, Mr. Schnod. You can go now. We'll be okay. Mr. Schnod sat down. I'll wait. You might need a ride back home. He grabbed a dog magazine from the end table and opened it. As I said, Mr. Schnod turned out to be pretty decent when you weren't knocking over his cans or putting grocery bags in the wrong car. A man in a white lab coat was eating a fast food hamburger behind the counter. He had a straggly white beard that reminded me of a sheepdog. I didn't know who he was until he put down his burger and walked around the corner and held out his hand. It had mustard on it. Sorry, I'm eating a late lunch. I'm Dr. Raddus. What happened? He wiped his mustard fingers on his sleeve. Still, I didn't bother to shake it. His name is Barker. He stepped on some glass. I said, is he going to be okay? We'll take good care of him, the doctor assured me. He looks more closely at the paw. It doesn't look so bad. More of a puncture. Let's clean it up. Dr. Raddus lifted Barker and carried him. Your dad should come too, he said, nodding to Mr. Schnod. Oh, um, he's okay right there, I blurted, avoiding the whole that's not my dad and this isn't my dog conversation. I didn't know whether the doctor would treat Barker if he knew he wasn't my pet. He faints at the sight of blood, and he doesn't speak English. Then why is he reading a magazine in English? Uh, he likes to pretend. The doctor sighed but nodded. We went through the doors and entered the examination room. It was sort of like a human doctor's room, although the table was small, steel, and on the floor. Dr. Raddus put Barker on the table, and it lifted when he pressed a button. After washing his hands, the doctor listened to Barker's heart and pushed on his belly and his chest. It's his foot, I pointed out. Just checking, said the doctor. Finally, he treated the paw. It's okay, Barker, I said, petting his side. I fought my nerves so that I stayed calm and my heart didn't race. You'll be fine, boy. Barker gave my hand a lick and then closed his eyes as the doctor cleaned out the cut and wrapped it in a few layers of bandages. The final bandage was bright green, which was way cooler than a plain old white bandage, if you ask me. When the doctor finished, Barker panted and looked up at me with those deep blue ice eyes. You'd have melted if you'd saw them, believe me. If this is what being really responsible felt like, then I guess I liked being really responsible. It will heal up in about two or three days, said Dr. Raddus. These bandages should be changed every morning. I'll give you a couple days' worth of pain medica medication. Uh, I don't think I'll need pain medication, I said. It's for the dog. Well, that made sense. We went back to the reception area. How much do I owe you? I asked, fishing out a wad of bills I kept in my pocket. It was $80, but he took care of it, said the nurse, gesturing to Mr. Schnod. Mr. Schnod looked up from his magazine. Is he okay? I nodded. Ready to go? I nodded again. 
Barker wore a little booty on his paw so he could walk, but slowly. It obviously hurt, but he didn't complain. That was the sort of stand-up dog Barker was. I want to pay you back, I said to Mr. Schnod as we approached his car. This was my responsibility. It's on me. I'm sorry I had to fire you. We'll call us even now. He leaned over to me and whispered, Mrs. Prince is a pain in the rear if you ask me. I got into the back seat, but I couldn't let him pay. I was the one who was responsible. Me. I removed $80 from my pocket. Here, I said, thrusting it forward as Mr. Schnod backed out of the parking lot. He shooed me away with his hand. It's on me. I insist, I said again, putting the money on the front seat. My mom will pay me back, which of course was a lie. But Mr. Snod shrugged and took the cash. Thanks for driving, I added. No, thank you. That magazine I was reading gave me an idea for a new display, a pyramid of dog food bags, he paused. Bags, not cans, he added warily. After driving in silence for a bit, he said, I guess you can come back to the store. Not to work, he added quickly, but to shop. You're not so bad, kid. You're not so bad either, I guess, I added awkwardly. Mrs. Munson didn't take the news of her dog's injury as badly as I thought she might. I explained what happened, and I gave her the instructions of taking care of Barker. I didn't think she was going to hire me again, but she didn't yell or threaten to sue me. That night at home, I lay in bed with my shoebox next to me. I counted my money twice. There was no way I could earn enough money for the dog now. I had even missed all the rest of my appointments that day because of the vet visit. I called my customers to explain. They were understanding, except for Miss Linkletter, who complained that she never should have bought a subscription. I told her I would throw in an extra dog walking day. That made her happier. But I knew I'd already lost the challenge and there was nothing I could do to make enough money to win short of selling all my clothes and mom's computer, and selling mom's computer wouldn't get me a dog. It would just get me grounded for the rest of my natural-born life and my unnatural life and probably three or four other lives as well. Yet, I felt calm, like they say you're supposed to feel when you walk dogs, even though I was going to lose the challenge, even though I'd be living with a cat and had taken a responsibility. Being responsible means accepting what happens, even when things don't go right. Being responsible means not blaming someone else either, even though I really, really wanted to blame everything on Lexi. Chapter 28, Friday, March 30th, money saved $389.32. It was pretty late that night when I sat at the kitchen table my math worksheet spread in front of me. Lexi sat at the table, too, doing homework. She had as tall a pile of sheets as I did. I hadn't seen her a lot the last few days since she was always making signs or buying art stuff. She looked up and saw me staring at her. A lot of homework, she asked, pointing to my stack. Maybe, I replied, waiting for her to sneer. You? Too much, she said with a sigh. Yeah, right, I scoffed. There was no such thing as too much homework for Little Miss Perfect. The more the better. I've been working so hard that I'm way behind in school. I waved at her stack. Please, you could probably get through that in like 10 minutes. 
I wish. It's going to take days to catch up. I just hope mom doesn't see my grades before tomorrow. Get a few A's instead of A pluses. No, she groaned. I've been making signs, tutoring, doing everything but studying. I don't get good grades by blinking, you know. You don't? Blinking was one of my theories about why she did so well. No, I work really hard because I have to, not because I want to. If you spent as much time on your homework as I did, you'd get straight A's too. I just know that school's important. I stared at her, my mouth open. Sure, I saw Lexi study, but I thought that was because she liked it. I never really thought that Lexi actually studied because she needed to. It's called being responsible. Not that you would know anything about that, she grunted. I'd know more than you think, I mumbled, especially now. So when are you getting Fluffernutter? What makes you think we're getting a cat? Because I lost. I don't have enough money. We'll have a cat, and every day you can gloat. I don't have enough money either, she admitted. But, but I see your signs everywhere, I stammered. You tutored like everyone in school. I didn't mention the stack of bills I spied in her jewelry box the other day or the $20 I'd taken. I gave a lot of those signs away for free. I figured it was good advertising. People would see my signs and want one. But when I sold them, I didn't get paid enough and art supplies cost a fortune. Do you know how expensive glitter is? But everyone just kept wanting more and more glitter and I couldn't say no. I didn't make that much from tutoring either. Kids just don't have a lot of money. And half my friends aren't even talking to me because they said I was mean. I don't know. I just got frustrated when they didn't know the answers. I guess I'd make a bad teacher. Well, you make a poor sister, so I guess that's fitting, I said, smiling. I make a better sister than you do a brother. I nodded my head. You're probably right, I sighed. I thought you just never had problems. I wish. I can convince mom to do stuff, but try to present charts to your friends and they just think you're weird. She threw me a half very non-smirky smile. I haven't been too nice to you lately. Sorry. I, I guess I just got carried away with our war. I nodded. Tell me about it. I can't even count money right I somehow lost $20, she groaned. How do you lose $20? I squirmed in my seat a little. Yeah, that's strange. I looked at the table. Then I guess we're not getting a pet. I guess not. A shame, huh? After all that work, too. She was right. We were both doing poorly in school. We had both sacrificed a lot. Not having any pets seemed unfair. I mean, I knew cats were stupid and I hated them, but maybe a cat was better than nothing. What was the point of having a war if both sides lose? But I guess in some wars, that's how it works. There aren't winners in wars, not really. Just one side that does less awful than the other one. Well, how much did you earn? I asked. 
more than $400 was really close. You? Less than that. Hold on. Went up to my room and removed my shoebox from behind my smelly shoes, only gagging once. I took out the money. I could have done a lot with that cash. I could have bought that $200 pair of sneakers I really wanted or that ultraviolet but ultra cool video game I knew about. I knew I was handing victory to the enemy, but somehow it felt okay. It felt right. Maybe mom was right. There are more important things to spend money on than sneakers and games. Besides, $20 of it was Lexi's. I had stolen it. There wasn't any other way to put it. But first, I counted out the money I owed mom for her bowls and her toner and her pencils and the other odds and ends I'd used, taken or broken. But there was still a lot of money left for Lexi and her cat. Our cat. Here, I said, handing her my money after I came back downstairs. It seems silly for us both to lose. Really? Her eyes grew wider and wider as she looked at the money. This is just way too much. I shrugged. Well, not all of it's mine. Remember that $20 you lost? I took it. I don't know why I did. I just got carried away, too. I wanted to see how close you were, and it just sort of happened. I wanted to win so badly. Lexi nodded. I looked for your money once. I wanted to know how close you were, too. I couldn't find your loot. And I didn't want to look in your closet. Your sneakers really smell. Well, that was the idea. Lexi picked up my stack of bills. I guess this makes up for your stealing. I hope so. The way Lexi looked at me, all grateful and stuff, it almost reminded me of Barker and his wide-open, thankful, and trusting eyes. I almost had the urge to hug Lexi, but I'm glad that feeling faded away quickly. Maybe you're not the world's worst brother, she said. Thanks. I guess you're not the world's worst sister. Maybe just the second worst. There must be someone who keeps her brother locked in a cage and force feeds him peas. That sister could be the worst, maybe. Lexi smiled and grabbed my homework. Let's see if I can help you a little here. I bet we'll get through this in no time. After all, I'm an expert tutor. What about your homework? I asked. I'll get to it. Come over here. A big sister is supposed to help her baby brother, right? I'm not a baby. I know, I know. Chapter 29, Saturday, March 31st through Sunday, April 1st. Money saved, zero. So, said Mom, intertwining her fingers as we sat around the kitchen table, today's the day. She smiled at Lexi and me. How did it go? Great, I said. Easy. Really? said Mom, surprised. The contest is over, but if we get a pet... It will still be a lot of work for both of you. We've talked about it, I said. I'm going to still walk dogs, but I'm going to cut down quite a bit. And I'm going to tutor again, said Lexi, but a lot fewer students. So I guess that means we're getting a pet, said Mom. Otto? I shook my head. Not a dog. I didn't make it. Mom arched her eyebrow. Really? You worked so hard, too, and you were being responsible. Don't think I didn't notice. 
I handed her an envelope filled with bills. This is the money I owe you for the toner and the bowls and stuff. I thought we were missing some bowls. Sorry, I mumbled. I guess I wasn't being responsible, but I tried. And we'll have to talk about my grades, too. I guess we will, she said in a not very pleased voice. But then she turned to my sister. Lexi, how much money did you earn? Lexi put a large wad of bills on the kitchen table and a very wide grin on her face. She smiled, but there was nothing sneaky or smug about it. It was just a happy smile. $500, she said, for a fluffernutter. Congratulations, Lexi, I said, and I meant it. I didn't tell mom about our conversation last night. I didn't tell her that Lexi had fallen short too, but we had succeeded together. This was Lexi's moment. I was actually happy for her, sort of, kind of. I know she beats me at most things, but maybe that's because she works harder at it. I can't hold that against her, at least not totally. It would be nice to have an animal in the house. And who knows, maybe Fluffer Nutter would hate Lexi and love me. I wondered if I could make that happen. Keep some milk hidden in my room, have a drawer filled with secret cat toys, pipe supersonic noises into Lexi's room that are too high for the human ear to hear, but that a cat could so it would stay away. This wasn't about getting a cat. This was war. No, strike that. I was done with wars for now. Can we get it today? Said Lexi. There's a house a few blocks away giving away kittens. I just happened to see a posting in the website on your computer this morning. There was a picture too. They're so cute. Golden yellow with streaks of brown. I know just the one I want. There's a kitten that looks just like a fluffer nutter. I admit it. The kitten was cute. She didn't have claws yet. So when she swatted your fingers, it felt like a velvet cloth rubbing against them. When you held her in your hands, she purred softly, her stomach vibrating. I knew she would grow up to be a standoffish, not very cute adult cat, a yucky, good-for-nothing flea ball. But for now, she wasn't so bad. I hated to admit this, too, but she sort of looked like a fluffernutter. I wouldn't have named her that, of course. I would never tell Lexi the kitten looked like a fluffernutter, but the name seemed to fit. And Lexi called her Fluffy for short, which wasn't awful. I'd have plenty of time to play with her since mom grounded me for two weeks because of my grades, except for school, dog walking, and soccer. Frankly, I did feared worse. Fluffy bounded across the carpet and landed in my lap where I gently scratched behind her ears. She doesn't dislike you, said Lexi. I think there was a tinge of jealousy there. After all, Fluffy had bounded into my lap and not Lexi's. But I'm sure she'll grow to hate you as much as I do. She can never hate you as much as I hate you, I shot back. Lame brain, said Lexi. Cobweb cranium. Dumb skull, cerebellum challenged amoeba-minded hollowhead. But we both smiled after I said it. And you know what? It turns out I'm better at insults than Lexi. Who knew? Lexi lifted the kitten from my lap and held her in her arms. I watched her stroke Fluffy. I liked her more than I thought I would, but she's still no dog. Everyone knows dog people are clever, friendly, good-looking, funny, and overall fantastically wonderful, and cat people are not. Just because I tolerated Fluffy didn't mean I had turned into a cat lover overnight. Maybe in a year or two, I could convince mom that two pets were okay, a cat and a dog. The sound of barking interrupted my thoughts. 
a joyful, loud bark from outside. At first, it made me a little sad, as if I were being teased, but the barking was getting louder and closer. It came from behind the front door, and then the doorbell rang. When I answered it, there was Dad holding a leash, and standing next to him, tongue and tail wagging, was a beautiful light brown golden retriever. At first, I thought it was alfalfa. This was just a puppy, and when I looked into his dark eyes, I recognized him. Thumper, I said. Dad, what's going on? asked Lexi. She and Mom came into the hall behind me. You know I always wanted a dog as a kid, said Dad, and all this talk of dogs made me realize I still wanted one. Mom called me yesterday and told me that Lexi won the challenge, and so I decided that maybe I could be the dog owner of the family. His name is Horseradish. His name is Thumper, Dad, I said. Dad shrugged. One of the great things about having your own dog is you get to name him. I've always liked the name Horseradish. I questioned Dad's choice of names, but I couldn't question his choice of dogs. I bent down and Horseradish ran over to me, leaping on my knees and licking my face. I grabbed him and rolled on the floor, rubbing him as his tail wagged and his tongue raced up and down my cheek. Horseradish was the rolling around type of dog. He was the licking type of dog. He was the loving and happy type of dog. And most important, he was my very own dog. Almost. And really, those are the best kind of dogs of all. Can I? I started to say. You can come over and play with him whenever you want, said Dad, stepping into the front hall and closing the door behind him. You too, Lexi. Lexi still had Fluffy, and she came closer, slowly. Fluffy didn't seem scared. She just stared at Horseradish with her curious black eyes. Horseradish barked happily. When Lexi sat down closer, Horseradish nudged Fluffy playfully with his nose. I think he likes her, said Dad. I'm sure they'll be best friends, Mom laughed. I bet this was all her idea. Can I take him for a walk, I asked. Of course, you are the expert, Dad smiled. Is it okay, Mom, I asked. I am so grounded. Go ahead, she said with a wide grin. I ran to the mudroom, grabbed my shoes and jacket where I hung them the day before. Come on, boy, I beamed, grabbing the leash from Dad. I know a whole bunch of good trails we can take. And Dad? Yeah? We need to talk about his name. Fluffy meowed goodbye, or at least meowed, and I was off with horseradish. But horseradish is still a much better name than fluffernutter, I add, shouting over my shoulder as I stepped outside. I had soccer practice that night. I showed up on time, and Coach Drago hardly ever even screamed at me at all. We played a scrimmage, and I scored two goals. The last one, after I faked one way, kicked the other, and left my defender so confused he tripped, leaving me a wide-open shot. Malcolm scored three goals. And you know what? We both played on the first team. Malcolm on the left and me on the right. But I bet we'd be really good no matter who started. After all, it takes a team to win a game, just like it takes a team to win a war. <laughs>